1: you don't often meet people who have been police officers, cops, and then they've gone the full circle and doing something a lot more, going a lot deeper and helping a lot of people out there, much more than the police can do. With me in the studio today is Chris Baum. He has had an amazing journey. Just rocked up in a church one Sunday and the Lord took over him from there. And uh, today he runs an organization called Thrive and he's just blessing many, many people uh, to transition out of addiction, out of jail, out of um, whatever is holding them back. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you. Maybe I didn't know exactly how to put it together, but I've touched on a bit of the things that you've done. You've done well. So you came from New Zealand? Yes, I did. I
0: came came from New Zealand. I grew up in New Zealand. North Island? North Island, a place called uh, Manurewa, which is quite a rough part of South Auckland.
1: Okay, nice. It's not always bad, is it? To grow up in a rough area. Not really, not really. Um... How rough is it? Fights? Have uh, or... you seen One
0: for Warriors? Seen that movie? No. Yes. Okay, watch One for Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's quite a rough part of South Auckland, but... Um...
1: Is it uh, like a suburb that is quite known for that? Uh, South Auckland has a lot of um,
0: a lot of gangs, a lot of um, uh, islanders, a lot of uh, just yeah, yeah it's, it's a pretty rough part of town. So, mm-hmm. but it was good, it was good. And your parents? Uh, my parents were actually from England. Um, my my father had uh, a choice of migrating to Napier uh, in New Zealand, which is where right I was right born. At the yeah. Or, or getting a, uh, a job in Manchester. And he chose to, um, he, he chose New Zealand, thankfully. <laughs> I was born, in, was born in New Zealand and not in England, so no, that was very good. You would have been born in Manchester. No, I could have been. You would uh, have been a city family, yeah. you know? Yeah.
1: know? yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so he went to Napier? Yeah. And that's yeah. right, down the lived there
0: until last five, and then we moved up to, um, to, to South Auckland. So you were born there? Yeah. Yeah. Was he in the fishing industry, or? Oh, no no. He was. He worked for South British um, Insurance. So. Oh, okay. My mum and dad, they weren't. Um, they weren't Christians. Um, when I when I was growing up, so I wasn't brought up in a Christian home. Yeah. Um, I kind of had my first encounter with God when I was about um, thirteen years of age. Um, I went to this camp with a school friend of mine in a place called Mero mm-hmm. um, In New Zealand I didn't realise that it was going to be a Christian camp but when I got there it was a Christian camp and um, they showed a movie uh, back in the day called... Um, left Behind? No, not Left Behind. Not Left Behind. <laughs> not it was, so, um, oh, what's the gang? The gang one from uh, America. Um, David Wilkerson. Okay. The sword no, the cross and the switchblade. Oh. They, they showed a movie called the cross and the switchblade, yeah. and uh, that was all about um, like the rival gangs in, in America. And yes. David Wilkinson used to go out on the streets and preach the gospel to all these these uh, gangsters. Yes, and um, and and they, they began to just get touched by God, and that that movie profoundly impacted my life. Um, I had my first God encounter. At that time I was thirteen, I watched that movie and then they had an old school at the end and I I asked God to forgive me. <laughs> I knew I was a sinner at thirteen. And um, uh, I just had this massive encounter with God. I just couldn't stop crying for about two hours. Well wow. um, God just really dealt with really touched my life and, and at the end of end of this camp they gave me a, a Bible and I took the Bible home and I just started reading this Bible. I never went to church, but I just had this something going on, just this relationship with God. And um was... And your folks and your family? No, no, no. They didn't get become Christian at
1: all a lot a lot later in life. Did they care about you having a Bible? Did they see? No, any no, no they, in? no,
0: they didn't um, I was just I didn't really tell a lot of people, I just How many
1: siblings? Uh one sister. Older younger? Older. Thirteen yeah. years older. She, she later, oh thirteen years older. Yeah. Oh okay, so yeah. you didn't really grow up together? Oh, we sort of not really. Not really. Yeah, the gap was too. Big. Yeah, yeah. So you came back one from the camp. You're still on the streets with the same kids, same yeah, environment. But been, you, you a change. But I just had this. I just had this encounter with God,
0: and yeah. um, uh, the, basically the next school I, I got invited to go back to that camp, and um, I went back to the same camp. My friend, he didn't even come with me that time I just went there with my because I really enjoyed the first one so this was annual uh or just school, school holidays month? I think oh, yeah. next maybe three or four months or something that, like yeah. maybe six months I went yeah I went back to this camp and um I was in this dorm basically with a bunch of other young fellas sort of my age and uh there was one basically adult um, leader, he yes. was looking after that. He was the leader, and he was actually the man that had prayed with me on the first camp. Yeah, and um, yeah, I was in the middle of this camp, went to sleep one night, and <laughs> woke up in the middle of the night, the guy's on my bed, <laughs> oh. doing stuff that uh, you know an adult shouldn't be doing with a, <laughs> a young fella. And, that was my second <laughs> experience at this camp, and basically, that really profoundly affected my life as well. So, because of what happened at that camp, I went home and I the Bible that they gave me, I put it in the bin and uh,
1: never picked it up again for many, many years. Yeah, it would have been tough. Yeah.
0: So, I never picked the, yeah, I kind of really um, put God on the back burner. Did you tell anyone? I never told a, a soul. Mm. Never told anyone. But uh, I went quite anti-God after that. Um, yeah, I wouldn't pick up a Bible, wouldn't go to any church. If anybody mentioned God, I was like, totally against it. Um, yeah, I just really turned my back. On your teenage years? Teenage years, totally away from God. Um, yeah, didn't want to know about it. Fights, streets, alcohol. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, very soon after that, I started. I started drinking and I I played rugby and you just I I just played rugby, drank a lot of beer, <laughs> drank a lot every weekend. Yeah, and, um, just grew up. Grew up as a normal teenager. Nightclubs no and pubs and.
1: Like rugby, uh, drinking a lot. Did you get a job, or you went to school? You finished school. Did you up finishing school? Yeah, I finished school.
0: Yeah, got a job, um, just like everybody else. And, what we do? Uh, I got a job building uh, uh, swimming pools, actually, concrete pools. Landscaping. Yeah. And did that till twenty-two, and um, I left New Zealand on my twenty-second birthday to come to Australia. What made that change? I was just in Iraq, um, just doing the same old, same old, same old, same old, and I, th- I thought that coming to a
1: new country would bring the change that I needed. Were you living at home with your parents or yeah. Were you Yeah, up at all. yeah. So they were quite support here, good, good parents? Yeah. Good parents. Yeah. Good parents, yeah. And where was your sister at this time? She got my married. sister,
0: my sister was in Fiji, she'd married a Fijian, my sister had become a Christian, and mm. they were in Fiji as missionaries. Wow! In Fiji, and had three kids, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and were praying. Were praying for me. Um, <laughs> they were all the kids would pray for Uncle Chris in Australia. That's nice. Yeah. So where did you come to Perth or straight to Scarborough? Straight to Scarborough. Why? Like,
1: you knew somebody here.
0: Uh, actually, I'd been to um, Perth for a two-week holiday prior, <laughs> and just really loved Scarborough. So yeah. Um, Lived in Scarborough, loved Scarborough. Um, got a job here. Got a job here. In pools yeah. as well? Yeah, mm-hmm. building through pools. Started mm-hmm. playing rugby, met a bunch of Kiwis, and fell straight back into the same old same old lifestyle that I was living here in New Zealand. Um, started living here. Mm-hmm. So, just wasting everything. Because not just... Yeah, just... Always thinking there's got to be more, there's got to be more, there's got to be now more. Now, the income
1: was pretty good, wasn't it, before, in that industry?
0: Yeah, it's always fine. Yeah, it's always fine.
1: Girls? Um, I'd actually come across here with her girlfriend.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, We moved from New Zealand to Australia, so I was living with her. Um, Yeah. And what happened next? Um, So, yeah, just fell straight back into the same old, same old rut. Um, But my sister, she was praying for me, and her family were praying for me in Fiji. Yeah. And one day I got off the bus. Um, on Scarborough Beach Road and got off the bus right outside this building and there was a band playing and I, so I went in, I sat down, I was listening to this band and then all of a sudden the band stopped playing, sat down and a guy got up and started preaching. And I went, oh, I'm in a church, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a church, but something kind of kept me there and um I listened to the entire message. They had an altar call at the end, and I got up and sort of took off. But the whole next week, I just knew that I needed to go back.
1: (laughs) So this was the potter's house. That was the potter's
0: house back in um, on Scarborough Beach Road in Scarborough. Early nineties. It was nineteen ninety, to be honest. Nineteen ninety. So yeah, that whole week, I just knew I needed to go back there and just get my heart out of God. And uh, the next Sunday, I went back on my own. God oh, mm-hmm. and um, got my heart right with God again, and that was
1: 30, uh, 32 years ago. So uh, at this stage, you you answer the altar call, you yep. went, yep, and they yep. help you, yeah, make the move, yep. Did so you get baptized? Uh, I got baptized, yep. Hold on, got you the ministry because they were quite. Uh, not aggressive, but uh, they looked after the people. They very don't. evangelistic. Mm-hmm. We scouted on the streets and preach. And oh, so you <laughs> got into You got <laughs> into the whole lot? Got into the whole lot? Yeah, yeah. That's, whole awesome. Lot. That's, That's awesome. That's awesome. Um um, and then I joined, I
0: joined, oh, sorry, I, my, when I became a Christian, my girlfriend that had come from um, New Zealand, <laughs> she didn't want to know about God, <laughs> so she ended up going back to New Zealand, Yeah. and um, yeah, a year later I met um, my wife, who's, I married in 1991, she had come from England, and um, we've now been married 30, 30 years, and we've got three kids, they're 28, 26, 24 now. Sure. Yes,
1: and I joined. How did you meet her? Uh, just in church. Oh, no, she I was, was in church, church yeah, yeah, nice. nice, yep. So that was. That was so good. did the Potter's house do weddings in church? Yeah, we got time? married. We got married in church. Uh, I got married. Uh, I met my wife in church. Got married in church. Our kids grew up in church and all this. It's, it's beautiful. Good. It's been good. So you were wearing a suit and a tie with Sunday and. Certain. Looking like JWs. That's but... it. That's it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That was it. Hey, I think the foundations were good eh? there. The foundations uh,
0: that were laid in my life in the Buddha were very, very good. Very yeah. strong. Very evangelistic, very fellowship orientated, strong on the word, strong good, in prayer. Good friends, good, good, good friends. Relationships. Good friends that I still have. Very good friends that I day. That. Nice. Yeah. Um How
1: did Thrive begin?
0: So I joined the police force, uh, probably about 10 years after I became a Christian. I joined the police force in um, 2000. Why? Uh, Just something that I always wanted to be a police officer. Still playing rugby at the
1: time? Ah, no, no,
0: no, no, no. i finished playing rugby and was married, bringing up kids and working a job. And uh, yeah, I joined the police force in 2000 Mm -hmm. and I spent 15 and a half years in the police force. Half of that was as a uniform um, police officer, and then I became a detective. And, uh, yeah, worked at many different detectives offices around Perth. I was at Midland Detectives when I actually resigned. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved the police. I loved every moment of it. Um, I, it was one of those jobs where I couldn't believe I was getting paid to do what, you want. Do what I was doing. <laughs> it, was, it was a great job, but... Um, Long hours. Just Towards the end, I just became frustrated with not with the police the job was good, but just with the justice system yeah I just got so frustrated with people coming in walking coming what? out going back in yeah. it was just a revolving door, and that what frustrated me uh, It cost you know hundred and ten thousand dollars a year to keep somebody locked up yeah. Um, their juveniles, it was $360,000 a year, it's almost a thousand dollars a day to lock these kids up to incarcerate them to only to see them come out worse, yeah. And so that side of things just really frustrated me. I went to one particular day, I went to court uh, for this trial that I was the arresting officer for, yeah, for two weeks. And at the end of the trial, the guy got found guilty and got, um, six, got sentenced to 16 and a half years in prison, yeah. And you know, when I walked out the door, everyone was high-fiving, going, good job, well done. But when I got in the car to drive home, I just started thinking about this guy's life. I started thinking about his life, I started thinking about his family, his mum and dad and his kids. And um God just broke me on the way home and started just 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 started weeping, weeping and weeping. Couldn't stop, couldn't stop crying. Couldn't stop crying, got home. my wife said, what's the matter? Um, and I just said, uh, I just said to Jackie, I said, I'm sick of locking people up. I want to unlock people. Yeah. And that kind of um, started my journey into what I'm doing now. Hmm. So I think um, 1st of January, 2015, I remember getting up uh, first day of a New Year and I was walking along the beach, Scarborough. I got up at five in the morning and I was just praying. And I remember getting down on my knees and saying, God, I'm, I just, I really got down on my knees and I went, God, I'm sick of locking people up, I want to unlock people. Yeah. I, I believe that that prayer gave birth to what I'm actually doing now. Yeah. And, um, and I just I was just saying to God, I said like, I've been a Christian for 25 years and, um, and I said, God, you've deposited so much in me. I can't keep that to myself. I can't just yeah. you know, just live a blessed life and not share that with other people. And so, the yeah, I prayed that on the 1st of January 2015, about a month later. Um, I randomly bumped into a builder, one of the first builders called Jerry Hanson. Mm-hmm. He owns Hanson Construction. He does all the Finbar developments. Yeah, Hanson. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I remember just having this conversation with Jerry and he said, um, he said, are you enjoying the police force? I said, listen, I love the job, but I'd love to, I'd love to do something to help people come out of prison. I'd love to yeah. like, set up a boot camp or something like that. And um, thought nothing of it, walked away. About a month later, Jerry rings me. He rings me on the phone. He goes, I've "Been thinking about what you said." He says, "You got time for a coffee?" So I went and had a coffee with Jerry. And he said, um, "Yeah, I've been thinking about what you said ever since we had that conversation." He goes, um, "You serious about helping people get out of prison?" I said, "Yeah, I am." He goes, "Well, I just happen to have a boot camp." <laughs> I said, "What do you mean you have a boot camp?" He says, "Yeah, it's called a construction company." He <laughs> said, I have a construction company if you're serious about wanting to help people get out. Come and work for me. Uh, I said, um, OK, I said, Listen, I've got some long service leave coming up, I'm taking my wife to England, how about when I get back we have a have catch up. So mm-hmm. I took my wife to England, we had this uh, five week holiday and on the way back we flew from Rome to Singapore, we jumped on this cruise ship to Singapore, and did a two week cruise back to Perth. Nice. I'm talking to my wife about you know transitioning, and um, I actually got up first first morning on the boat. I get up with the boats just pulled out of Singapore, yeah. And I get up and I'm looking around, looking out of the ocean. It's a beautiful, beautiful sunny day, crystal clear water. And I just pray to God, what do I do? do? I take this new opportunity, <laughs> yeah, or do I go back to the safety of the police force where yeah. I know of? Yeah, I've got a job for the rest of my life. And I just prayed that God would give me a sign. And I prayed that God would give my wife a sign. So we're on this cruise ship. We're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And uh, that night, my wife and I walked down the stairs to go for dinner. And we bumped into Jerry Hanson on the stairwell of the ship. (laughs) So basically, the day I got back, I I resigned from the police force and I started working with Jerry, And... um, as a chaplain on... Hey, pretty on much, Jerry. I said to Jerry, he says, what do you want me to do? He how oh, you work it out. He ah. said, you are working out. <laughs> so he sort of did put me on as an undercover chaplain to yeah. basically to change the culture of the company. Yeah. Good. And, um, yeah, I just said about doing that. Um, it was a real challenge. I thought, can I make a difference on a building site? Yeah. So he put me on this building site with a couple hundred people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had no idea what to do, and I just I just prayed every day. I had no pattern to follow, and I just prayed I said God. What do I do? And God just said to me, "He said very clearly he says influence the influencers.'" So I just started, influence the influencers. influence the influencers? Yeah. So I just targeted like the, probably the ten most influential blokes on site. Yeah. And started praying as well. And um, I met this one other Christian bloke on site. He was a Fijian fellow, big fella. fella. And him and I, every Wednesday at lunchtime, we'd get together and have a prayer Mm -hmm. on this building site. And then it went from Mm -hmm. two two, to three to four to five to six. People started started coming and people started getting saved. People started getting powerfully touched by God on this building site. Got up to about eight people and the building supervisor comes up to me and goes, mate, are you having a prayer meeting on my site? I went, yeah, we are. And I thought he was going to say, shut it down. And he goes, do you mind if I come along? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So the supervisor starts coming along and then it goes to 10 to 12 people. Are, people are literally getting saved. There was one particular day where about 12 of us were sitting on buckets in this partially um, constructed room. Yeah. And uh, we're just sitting there and I just said, let's just be quiet for one minute and just let God speak. So the presence of God just came down in this little little apartment, and then the door opened, and these eight, another eight people came in. Yeah. It was the, it was the one of the steel fixers yes. that had just got saved is an Iranian. Boy. He brought the others. He brought all his team. Wow. <laughs> and and I'm telling you now, once they walked through the room, yeah, everybody just started crying. I got this big married fella sitting next to me, and he's just weeping, like tears just falling in the puddle. And, and the presence of God was so thick and so tangible in that room. This is not a construction site. Yeah. And um, <laughs> one of the ladies went back in the room about two hours later, <laughs> and she came up to me afterwards. She goes, "What the heck was that?" Uh, <laughs> she goes, "What was that in that room?" And said, "That was the Holy Spirit." Hallelujah. So well, yeah, and then and then from there we just started. Um, I started bringing in like one prisoner. Yeah, and then another second. And people initially were like, they didn't want to have prisoners working on site because of you know what they'd heard oh, and yeah. all that. But what happened was people started to enjoy having them there and yeah. getting a kick out of helping them get their life back on track. And so what happened was our Building sites went from being not just building sites, but they became rehabilitation centers. Wow! And uh, Discipleship centers. Yeah, yeah, it was just a beautiful thing, and it just changed the whole atmosphere of the whole atmosphere of the sites. Mm. Um, I did all Jerry's drug testing, obviously, so that the drugs went from when I first started. It was literally one in three testing positive. To um, now we have drug-free culture where super so test that long yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yes, Just, was, was that common on construction sites? No, I think I think it's pretty common now. Pretty common, yeah, to yeah. test. Yeah. 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 yeah, pretty common to test now. Yeah, but I think back and in you years, set up five, yes, later. So probably about two years ago. Um, What happened Mm -hmm. was all these people were coming and becoming Christian and getting saved, or... or, And I was was taking them to church. Yeah. And they kind of weren't really fitting into the church... Culture. Culture. Um, Yeah, they, uh, they were just struggling to fit in. Struggling to sort of, and so... I just I I set up what we call Thrive Night, which is um, we have every second Wednesday night in the city at the platform, and it's a night where um, these guys can come and feel comfortable but still get the hear the gospel. Yes. We do it in a format, so we start at six o'clock. We have a meal for an hour, and then we have some um, we have some worship, and uh, and we sit in a big circle. So this is a Wednesday night at the platform every fortnight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then we have a message, but probably the message will only go 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then we open everything up for discussion and everybody bounces ideas around. And, and um, yeah, it's quite a powerful, powerful night. We have prayerful people at the end. Uh,
1: it's just a different sort of. Um, very interactive. Very interactive. and Very, yeah, they just seem to wow. be comfortable with that. And you're doing this on a regular basis? Yeah. Yep, every every fortnight,
0: and then every other week we have. Um, so like you're
1: the, bringing caterers
0: in, or? Um, I have a beautiful lady called Sonia Dinsmore. Oh,
1: Sonia! Sonia. Wow. She cooks. She's in our church. She cooks. She's in your church. Yeah. She cooks for. And she brings the hot plates yeah She cooks for sixty blokes every every second Wednesday. For sixty guys. Yeah. Full dinner. Yeah. Full dinner. Whoa. Full dinner. How does she carry it all? <laughs>
0: we actually go and collect it. She cooks it. We go and collect it. And okay. We take it into the city. Nice. So Sonia's an amazing lady. Yeah.
1: She's uh, Trevor, Trevor. Trevor and Sonia.
0: Yeah. They literally, when I became a Christian, they worked with me, had me over for dinner, followed up on me, nice. and um, and now they're still doing it thirty years later for these fellows. Wow. We had Trevor here. Trevor's here, Trevor has uh, men over to his house. And does like one on one Bible studies with them.
1: Yeah, beautiful.
0: He's doing it, yeah, a beautiful, beautiful people. That's nice.
1: Yeah. Wow, it's, it's always yeah. wonderful to see how everything is linked together. Yeah, yeah. Chris, um, how did you heal from the um, sexual abuse from your childhood uh. or adolescent abuse? Mm-hmm. Set to the forgive and let it go. And move forward. Can you pinpoint when that happened?
0: I, I can't remember one specific instance, but um, I, think it, I think it happened over a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just decided to forgive, to move on, and um, you know, if I hadn't have done that, then wouldn't be doing what we're doing now. <laughs> so, I probably wouldn't have met my wife and had my three kids and been doing prison industry like we're doing now. So I'm glad that at some stage I you know, forgave, forgot, moved forward.
1: So it is possible. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there, especially men, who probably have gone through similar traumas, maybe even more amplified than that, or less, Uh, nevertheless, and maybe they never spoke about it and they don't think it's possible to move on. Um, I think it's probably a lot more prevalent than
0: what we, um, what we even think, um, especially in some cultures, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of uh, boys and girls yes. being sexually assaulted as as youngsters.
1: Yeah. So you believe in restoration. You believe in healing. You believe in full. Recovery. Yes,
0: I believe in full recovery. I believe, and 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 I also believe that God can take what the enemy intended for bad and turn it for good. Mm. I believe that as well. And um, one of the reasons I call my I call what I do thrive is because I believe that I believe that people can come out of prison and thrive, not just survive. Which is and very I, important. I believe that you know, even guys coming out of prison can take everything that's happened to them in the past, and if they'll take that and turn it and use it for good, then they will thrive, not to just survive.
1: Um, does it still come out with a lot of resentment, bitterness, yeah. revenge? I ask everybody two
0: questions before I get my job. One is do you want to change? Yeah. And two is do you want to help other people? Because mm. I believe it's very important for them to come out and, and, and pay it forward.
1: Yeah, yeah. So just
0: encourage everybody to be paying it forward. Yeah, um, I think when, I think that that just really helps. When we when we're all focused on ourselves all the time, it's not healthy. But when we're
1: trying to help others, I think that really helps us good. to grow. Yeah. Did they want to be recovered? Did they want to do well? Did they want to be made well? Yeah, yeah, they do. They really, really do. Like, I don't chase anyone. Yeah. So,
0: um, people have got to ring me. Yes. To find
1: employment, and yeah. to find help. Yeah. So, I'm finding that the people that do reach out do want help. Really and do, do you help. work with them outside work hours if need be, or mainly you try and do it on the job? Um, yeah, a bit of both. A bit of both.
0: So, um, a, lot, a lot of it's done at work. Mm-hmm. So, um, a workplace almost becomes like a uh, working rehab. Yeah. Um, you're, working, them, you're managing yeah, them, you're mentoring them, you're sizing them, everything. All, the whole lot, and a lot of it happens on, on the, the job. On the
1: job, on the job. So, they wouldn't all have the skills, would they?
0: No, a lot of, some of these guys have never worked a day in their life
1: mm-hmm.
0: at a bloat start, only three weeks ago, never, 30 years of age, never worked a day in his life. First time he's ever worked. And doing good.
1: Really good. So, so a lot of a lot of can jobs steel, words, concrete. Yeah, a lot of jobs on construction sites.
0: You don't need skill. You can just come in as a labourer, and then yeah. you can learn steel fixing. You can learn concreting, You can learn formwork. You can learn all sorts of jobs. Yeah. Can, a lot of them have gone into apprenticeships and traineeships. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, just on the job, a lot a lot of stuff happens. You know, when you're when you're working your job, you've got to be
1: punctual. Of course. You've got to work in a team. You've got to work under supervision. You gotta follow protocol, you gotta dress up properly, you gotta eat at the right time, go you know, smoke at the right time, you know. All that stuff. And so perfect. even that just brings stuff up in people. Yeah. Just get told what to do.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> it's um, um, it, it really is like a
1: working recap. So it really is like a uh, boot camp. But it's healthy for them, and they are with other men and they f- they feel, you know, useful, don't they?
0: All that stuff. You know, when God created Adam, the first thing he did was put him in the garden to work. That's right. And so work brings structure, it brings discipline, it brings dignity. Yeah. It brings all those things
1: to your life. And the paycheck.
0: And the, the paycheck. Yeah. And and the paycheck is, man, when you've earned it legitimately and you've worked hard for it,
1: yeah. you enjoy it a lot more. You and enjoy you look your up, food, you enjoy sleep, it. you enjoy all that stuff. And you're more likely to hold on to a relationship, to a rent, to a car payment, uh, whatever you need to get life back on track. Yep. That's good. That's It's the holistic restoration. It's not just a job. It's actually looking after the people. They open up, they chat, they talk. And
0: I've got like, when I first started, it was me doing it with all of them. Now I've got key people on each side, key leaders on each side. Key supervisors on inside, ex prisoners yeah. basically discipling ex-prisoners. Beautiful. It, it is beautiful. It's beautiful. How many approximately are there now? Uh we've got about sixty up there at the moment, like working full time. Sixty ex prisoners.
1: That's in two years. Yeah. Oh no, but we doing it for about five years now. Okay. Yeah. But obviously there's turnover as well. some go on. Yeah, and then yeah. others
0: have gone on to yeah. get jobs of the mines or the contract. The yeah, so yeah, yeah. they have gone back in. Um, Nice. But I think, you know, we give everybody an opportunity. Yeah. Uh, One of Jerry's favourite sayings is give everyone an opportunity to write. Yeah. And you either take the opportunity or you take the right. Yeah. So, and and, 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 and that's, yeah, I'm trying to teach people to self-govern. Yeah. And I say to them, once you leave here, you're free to, you know. There's that verse in the Bible that says that, uh, you know, all things are permissible, not all things are beneficial. Sure. And that's what I say to them. Yeah. So you can get out of here. You, and you and back. You choose. You choose. You choose. I, I gave up policing six years ago. I'm not going to watch you when you leave work. That's right.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we're, but we're given an opportunity. That's wonderful because you're calling them to a higher level of life. Yeah. You're saying, "I believe in you. Yeah. Come I believe yep. This is this is given to you now. Yes." Everything else you had to earn, but now this is given to you. Now just stay. Stay here don't do stuff it up. Yep. yep. Wonderful, wonderful. What's your wife do? My wife. Um, my wife is an education
0: assistant at Lockridge Primary School, so she works with some of the um, naughty
1: kids. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But she she fully supports what I do, she's always uh of and your kids?
0: Uh, yeah, so um, my daughter, she's twenty 20, 28. She's actually just done a psych degree. Yeah. Um, so she wants to do counseling, she wants to do all of that. My son, my middle boy, is um, 26. He's an electrician. Wonderful. And he comes to Thrive. He fully supports it. He just got his life right back on track with life about only about six months ago. Wonderful. And my youngest son, Keon, is, he, he's fully involved. He runs a connect group for these fellas. Oh, and um, he does are, they, well. are they still living at home? No, all left, all left home. Oh. But they're all fully, fully involved. And
1: What's next for you, Chris? What would you like to see happen? Let's say ten years from now. Listen,
0: I, I, I really don't know. I just, see, I just want to see. I just want to see. I just want to see people connect with God. I just mm. want to see people thrive. I just want to see them uh, reach their full potential. Yeah, and. That involves a relationship with God, and it involves working, and involves um, listen. This whole, ever since I stepped out of the police force, yeah, um, I haven't had anything to follow, yeah, and so I feel very much like Abraham. When he, you know, one of my favourite verses, Abraham went, yes, knowing not where he was going, yeah, and I feel like that now. So where this is going to be in five years, ten years, I have no idea. Doesn't matter. Absolutely no idea. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Fear is just being a bit. Yeah. And I'd like to see these. Uh, my hope is that these guys come in through Thrive and then they filter out into other churches. Yeah. And begin and leave start to live normal lives. Take their wives and their kids to church and, and bring them up that way. So that's that's my hope. I don't want them to stay in Thrive. How do they find you? Them. How do they find you? Okay. so You can imagine now we have 60 ex prisoners working full time. Yeah. Plus others who have. Between those 60 people, they would pretty much know every single person in the prison system. (laughs) Literally, they would. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's all working. It's a small
1: community. It's a a big community, but it's It's uh, tight. Very connected. Yeah. So they all know each other, they all know what they're in for, how much time they've done. Yeah. Yeah. Everything and they all
0: want to help, man. They all want to help, every single They just want to help, they want to make a difference.
1: Wow, they're the most beautiful people, yeah. They've been crushed, they've been crushed. <laughs> they've been crushed. Yeah. They're beautiful, beautiful people, they really now. Yeah. And at
0: the moment, God's done something Telling them amongst the indigenous people when something powerful is happening amongst them at the moment, yeah. But there's uh, men, men, indigenous men coming out of prison now going, Mate, we're ready to change. We haven't, we haven't been there for our wives, we haven't been there for our kids. We've been, yeah. we've been missing an action. Yeah. And and I've never ever met, like this year, I've never met so many Indigenous men coming out of Britain. Like we want to change. Wow. We want to work a job, we want to be there for our kids, we want to be there for our. Um,
1: uh, just family, family, Family and all the young, the 13, yeah.
0: 14, 15 year old kids that are following them.
1: Yeah. As a same. Yeah, I'm model. just.
0: See, I, 13, 14, 15-year-old young Indigenous boys, they're not going to listen to me. But yeah. they will listen to these boys that have been in prison. Yeah. Got, we've got some men at the moment they are real leaders. Real leaders. Nice. So, I just, I oh, always the believe there's going to be a revival amongst Indigenous. I love you, Bring it on. Bring um, it on. I really do. But two things need to happen. One mm-hmm. God leads for our spirit. But then there needs to be some men to carry that. Yeah, and at the moment, I think God's raising up some indigenous men
1: to lead. And carry it's them. always done through people. Yeah, it's men. always yeah, God, <laughs> and especially men. Especially men. Yeah, I think we underestimate. I think we live in a very fatherless society, and the only way we're gonna change this around is when God the Father begins to father them, and they extend that fatherly love towards their children and the community. It's interesting; the government doesn't identify this as a problem. Fatherless uh, is massive. Australia is one of the most fatherless nations in the world. And, you know, a big percentage of the problems spring out of that. I would say 95% of
0: men that I ever arrested in the police force, I could trace it back to Dad.
1: Yeah. I could go on and on and on about that. (laughs) Yeah, sort the dads out, you've got your families back. Absolutely. It's because, um, um, well, we've done ourselves a huge, you know, we shot ourselves in the foot, didn't we? Um, the feminist movement, you know, the masculinity has gone down, yes, they have been aggressors, yes, they've done wrong as well, but at the same time, they've done a lot of good, you know, and our dads have been wonderful. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think we, we're we not helping the men, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're helping everyone else but the men. Yeah which is uh strange but in, in god's family i think you know we speak about the father's love and the father's touch and the restoration of the fathers it's interesting that um the book of the last book of the old testament before the you know be quiet period of 400 years god speaks i will turn the hearts of the fathers towards their children yeah. and then i'll heal the land yes so if we want the land yes. to be held in Australia. We got to help the fathers turn their hearts with the children. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. So much in that.
0: Um, we had this lady come to Thrive only a couple of weeks ago. She's an Indigenous lady, and she was just sharing how um, there was this lady in America, and she was praying, and she was praying and fasting, praying and fasting, and she um, she saw this uh, vision of these. Dark skinned men. Yeah, And she didn't know who they were. And so she kept fasting, kept praying, and said, God, who are these people? And at the end, God said to her, They are the native indigenous men of Australia, and they hold the key to revival in that land. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's powerful. It's powerful. It's powerful. Um, yep. The, it, it, I don't know, 2022 is the, the year for
1: men to rise. Amen. It's a year for men to rise. Wonderful. <laughs> I love your heart for the man, I love your heart for the indigenous, and I think God is doing something in that space, and He's preparing, obviously, He's prepared, you know, the construction work, the, you know, the company, this amazing company, Hanson, yeah. and uh, He's prepared you for this as well, to equip others. Um, this is a role, this is an apostolic role, an equipping role, not just a doing role, it's an equipping so it can have a bigger effect, a bigger effect. It's wonderful to see others extending now that love and care and uh, supervision and, you know, teaching and discipleship towards others, because that's what you want to see. Um, yeah, definitely. Because that will outlive you, you know, and uh, that's discipleship one-on-one. <laughs> yeah, Jesus
0: only gave us one job, wasn't it? <laughs> to go out and make disciples. We really get busy doing all this other stuff. And, but at the end of the day, he's only given us one job, yeah. just to go out and make disciples. <laughs>
1: Thanks so much for sharing your story here um, and you know, just capturing some moments from your amazing life. Uh, you've come a long way and you're helping many, many people and that is beautiful. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Well, what an amazing um, story. Um, look, I don't know what you faced or if people have given up on you or you've given up on somebody else. There is restoration, as Chris said. know he's seen the worst of the worst both in the police force in prison system and coming out of that as well so what can we do well we can pray about it and we can help those people and uh, empower them to live in their fullness so don't give up whatever you're going through don't give up just know that there is full restoration it is possible it is possible to heal from any trauma or uh, any Uh, awful experience from the past, it is possible with Christ to have a new life, to forgive, to forget, to move on, and it is possible to thrive, not just to survive. Uh, I'm sure this uh, message blesses you, and we'd love for you if you could pass it on to other people to watch this, to listen to the podcast, and uh, just to share, because this story can lift people up and propel them on their uh, journey to become more and more acquainted with God and to walk in the faith. We look forward to seeing you next time at Kingdom Stories from Down Under. I am Nathaniel Castilla. Thank you for joining us on Kingdom Stories from Down Under. We'd love it if you would subscribe, rate, and share these stories with your wider community. And remember, every story is worth sharing, including yours.